Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared the Apocalypse Nerd, Wallace, and Adam Scott Glancy coming to you from Podcaster Ground Zero, it's, uh, episode 14, and we're going to be talking about the Fallout game series uh, this week. And uh, well, because uh, we're because we're lazy, and it was the easiest thing in the world for us to talk about. Uh, okay, I'll give you that. But <laughs> well, no, I mean we haven't talked about it yet, but it's it's a pretty big it's a pretty big apocalyptic thing going on in the last uh, what uh, three, four, five years since you know uh, when did when did Fallout Three come out? About four well, years ago. Fallout, Fallout Three was two thousand and eight. Eight, so uh, five years so it's ago. Going on, yeah, and uh, but original Fallout's two thousand. I'm oh, sorry, original Fallout's ninety seven. Yeah, so um, they've been around for a while. They've been they've been pretty influential. So we're going to be uh, talking about the uh, Fallout game series and maybe even its uh, its its you know its sire, the wa uh, wasteland. So we'll talk touch about that because where it all where it all came from apparently. Uh, first thing we'll touch on a little bit is a little bit in the news, okay? And folks, just to let you know, we're going to try not to be ignorant and divisive in our in our podcast, okay? I wouldn't count on it, though. <laughs> I wouldn't count on it. Um, actually, you know what? I, before we do in the news, I am going to make a statement. Uh, I just want to make a statement for those of you who have been watching, those of you who haven't been watching, just to... How, how will we make a statement to those who haven't been watching? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> All right, um, you, you you bastards know who you are who aren't listening. Who aren't listening. Um, just want to reemphasize what the spirit of the show is, okay? This is a couple of guys, me and Scott, who have a passion for the genre and have always have had one. Uh, and we have these kind of conversations in real life all the time. So we just decided to take it on air and to share it with the world because we're, you know, egotistical, okay? Because we yeah. think our opinions are important. Narcissistic. We, you uh, know, we need to be the center of everything. Need to be the center of attention. So again, this is just a uh, couple guys discussing what they like, okay? And they're gonna, sometimes we bring up people we might find interesting, like to talk about it more, okay? And remember, whatever we talk about. These are our opinions, okay? Whether they're right, whether they're wrong, whether they're intellectually uh, created or just pull that ignorance, it doesn't fucking matter. It's our opinion. Now, if you have a different opinion, great. Okay, is your opinion right or wrong? I don't know. But this is our opinion, and... Do you, do you know nothing about the Internet? Don't you know that everyone's opinion is a perfect little snowflake? It and is. is is always correct and should be defended with like terminal violence. I mean, it 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 should be. But basically, yeah. I'm saying. But basically, I'm saying is you know what? If you like it, great. Watch. If you don't, don't watch us. Pound sand. I don't give a shit. You know. And if you think you can do a better job, start your For own God's little podcast. Sakes, get out and there that, and knock yourselves out. Knock yourselves out, okay? That's all I'm saying. It's like, you know, because we've had some trolling activity. People don't like what we say. And you know what? That's great. You know, you have a different opinion. Good for you, you know? But I just wanted to, but again, I just wanted to make people aware of the spirit of the show. It's just a couple of guys and our opinion. Well, that will like, clearly it, stop the trolls. I think this, appear, yeah, this that's appeal fine. to rationality Wait. and reason is exactly the sort of things that douchebags on the Internet immediately respond to. So mission accomplished. Yeah. Yes, and you know what? Actually, you know how you know how I can control the trolls? How's that? <laughs> By deleting their posts. Oh, hey! that's or, you're a tyrant. Or not approving them. Hey, hey! because that's guess what? I hold all the power here. Nah. So fuck you. All right. 
Okay, uh, there you go. We're there you we're, go. We're censoring tyrannical uh, monsters. Yep. There yep. You go. So anyway, welcome to the apocalypse. Welcome to our. This is our apocalypse. We're we are. I just just walk just walk away and I spare your lives. Okay. I am the Lord Humongous of this podcast. Okay. Speaking of which, didn't you name your Fallout character Lord Humongous? Uh, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One one of, one of the iterations uh, was Lord Humongous. Uh, so anyway, so that's it. I just wanted to make it clear to let people know that you know what, whatever you know, because we had some people who didn't like what we had to say. But you know what? Again, go fuck yourself. I don't care. <laughs> you know, so yeah, we're all very sorry. Your butt hurt. Yeah, we're sorry. So anyway, moving on. My rant over. So uh, speaking of Mad Max, a uh, little in the news information. I did uh, recently read that the uh, Mad Max reboot. Has now been pushed out to 2015. Not that it's not even, you know, like uh, they're like in they're like in. Uh, I think they've already done the filming. They've refilmed some stuff and they're editing, but they're pushing out like over a whole year and a half from now, like May of 2015, which is going to be competing against some uh, big uh, other blockbusters like uh, Avengers 2 and some shit like that. I don't know why they pushed it out so far. Especially since the Mad Max video game is supposed to come out in March or April, which is supposed to be a tie-in to the franchise. So And it's not being pushed out. That's not being pushed out. So I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, not great. Um, uh, I should also point out, um, let's see, also in the news, speaking of things that dropped in the video game world, um, the new uh, downloadable content just uh, turned up for um, State of Decay. I saw that. State of Decay Breakdown. And... Uh, it's um, it's. Mm, I'm not trying to describe it except to say that it's the exact same uh, map as the original game. Uh, it's the exact same mechanics of uh, survival, but there's no storyline. There's no escape from the valley. All you do is you, you know, it's the same sort of thing. You just do the missions, gather people to you, uh, build your survivalist compound, uh, manage your resources, strip the area of supplies, and when you're out of supplies, you move your compound. And as you keep growing and moving, the game keeps upping the zombie threat. And it's just a matter of how long till you run out of food or how long till the zombies get you. Um, it's, it's, it's like survival option on some of those old um, first-person shooters. Mm. So there's no new, no new storyline. There's no new map. Uh, on the plus side, it's like a $7 purchase. So, you know, it's, it, and there's some new gear and some new stuff in it and some new art for the game. But, you know... Uh, it's not a uh, spectacular new opening of the of the game, but you know if you enjoyed State of Decay before, you'll probably enjoy more opportunity to kill zombies and live with your regrets. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I didn't know much about that. Um, I did see recently that there's possibly coming to TV a uh, a ten part miniseries adaptation of uh, Frank Darabont's version of The Mist. Now I don't know if that really falls into under horror. Or apocalypse, because again, it kind of falls into like an alien, you know, monster apocalypse, you know. And, it, and at least in the uh, at least in Frank Darabont's version, it was as you described before, a mini apocalypse. Yes. It wasn't the full blown, you know, we lose, civilization is overrun. Now you're digging for scraps. It was just well, a well, disaster. Well, we don't know. I mean, yeah, they're being picked up by the army coming through the mist, but we don't know what happened after. How widespread was it? How far did it get? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that may be apocalyptic in a sense. So that's uh, coming out. And uh, I picked up just a 
briefly talk about. It's not really news. I picked up the of Amazon, uh, the Star Lost. Uh, I think we've mentioned. Oh. I think we've mentioned that in the past. I know some people, uh, some uh, viewers have mentioned that the Star Lost. I had some credit on Amazon. I got it for under ten bucks, and I did some binge watching and got through all sixteen episodes of it. Um, it's it's again it's uh it's generation ship, so it's more of a metamorphosis alpha type setting, which is you know pre gamma world, you know also you know um uh, you know all the different uh, books like uh, every single time I forget the name of the freaking. Uh, the books, the po- the the books. Um, I mean, Highlands, Orphans of the Sky. Orphan, okay, Orphans of the Sky, and give me a second. Uh, no, there's Orphans of the Sky. There's three freaking books, and I always fucking forget. Let me let me take a look. Hold on. All right. Well, while you're uh, every so, give me give me two seconds. I'll, right, well, I'll let, take me, it. let me uh, let me go ahead and throw some news out here. Okay. That is uh, a friend of mine. Uh, uh, sent me for my birthday um, two books by Hugh Howey, uh, Wool and Shift, which apparently are two books in something called the Wool Trilogy or Saga, or the Silo Saga. I think there's a, there's a third book called Dust, which I haven't got my hands on yet. But they are um, post-apocalyptic settings where everyone is living in a toxic, poisoned earth. You can't go outside. Uh, if you do... Even the survival suits will be uh, dissolved by the environment and they'll die out there. And everyone appears to be stuck in this uh, in this silo with no real knowledge. It's this giant underground complex with no real knowledge of whether or not there's any other silos out there or any other system overseeing these uh, these colonies or survivors. And I've started reading it and, uh, you know, I haven't gotten very far. But so far, uh, what I was reading was fairly good. Um, more updates as they come in, but uh, that's the latest in post-apocalyptic reading. And uh, Wool and, uh, let's see, um, I want to say Wool is, uh, came out this year. Um, so, uh, at least I think so. Um, so these are very recent uh, uh, sojourns into the post-apocalyptic genre. Cool. So Very good. So what do you got there, Mr. Wallace? Which other which other titles were you looking okay. for? Okay. All right. Orphans of the Sky by Heimlin. Captive Universe by Harry Harrison. Yeah, Harry Harrison. And Starship by Brian Aldis. Okay. Those are the three uh, generation ship ones that I myself have read. Uh, again, very much like that. It's not a bad series. Again, 1970. Uh, what was it? 73, I believe. Uh, Canadian television. Uh, so bad blue screening, uh, you know, production quality is not the greatest. But the Blake conception... Seven special effects on Blake Seven look better. Uh, yeah, and as much as everybody made fun of Doctor Who, it's like uh, Doctor Who's better. Okay, they, they did not they did not do a great job. Um, uh, to where the you know the point was it was originally conceived and written the main, the main script was written by our our friend your friend and mine. Boy and his dog. Oh, yes. Harlan. Uh, Harlan Ellison wrote, wrote that, and he was so displeased in how uh, they, re- they, mess- they that they messed with his script that he used his um, alias on the credits because he always has that work as his contract to show his disdain for something he doesn't like. But so um, Rather than slag it, since he can't slag the, pro- the finished product in public, uh, he instead puts his, his, I guess, nom de guerre as opposed to nom de plume. 
yep. uh, on it too, or or his Namda. It would be his Namda Merd. That's what it would be. His name for shit. Yeah. When he thinks something is shit. Exactly. And uh, one of their scientific typical uh, advisors on the show was famous science fiction author Ben Bova. <laughs> yeah. So any anyway, so I don't know where these people came into play because uh, it was, you know, like I said, it's not a bad show. Uh, if you could pick it up cheap or rent it or something, it's, it's worth a watch if, if you like the whole generation ship thing. You know, one of the, one of the best generation ship uh, movies I've seen was uh, in the last like five years was Pandora. Um, it was a really good movie. Uh, but, you know, this show's not bad. It's got some good concepts, you know, so not a bad, not a bad show if you, said, if you get your hands on it. So anyway, so that's all I really uh, that's all I really got yet a couple things. So let's get into the uh, meat of things. Let's uh, start talking about everybody's favorite post-apocalyptic game. Fallout. Certainly the numbers bear that out. Certainly the uh, what three to four hundred hours of game time I put in it uh, certainly is a testimony to whether or not I thought it sucked. Yeah, Fallout Three. How many? How many hours did I say I put into? I don't even remember. It was something like 180 hours, dude. It was. It was oh, I think, no, you, it was more than that. I think. You think you broke two? Do you think you broke three? Oh, I think I almost got three. You know. I, I wouldn't but, be but, surprised. But, 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 well, you but you played it uh, more than I did. Like once a, Well, I'm an achievement whore, so once I played all three ver all three uh, alignments and. Uh, got a, I got all my achievements. So I was like, okay, I can't play this anymore after like well, two, 200 and 300, two, three hours. Well, you were the guy, yeah, but you were the guy who'd go back to when you were like ninth level and then just be evil to 10th level so you could get the, you, you've gotten to, you know, 10th well, level is evil. Well, I would actually go back and start a whole new character well, in order I did, to do every evil thing in the game or, you know. Well, I did that on neutral. Uh, I played it, but then I, then I said, what the fuck am I doing? And went you're having a great time. That's what you're doing. You're having a great time killing mutants in the wasteland. That is what you're doing. Clearly. So, so folks, we're talking about Fallout Three. That was my first. That was. I mean, I've seen the game before. There was Fallout One, Fallout Two, uh, Fallout Tactics. I never played any of those games because they were PC games. I was never. Uh, and I still am not a PC gamer. Uh, I was always a console gamer, so I didn't get first exposed to Fallout until Fallout 3. So I didn't see that. I didn't play Wasteland, which was, you know, apparently the predecessor to that, where which influenced yeah. a lot of Fallout. Now, Scott's played, is playing Wasteland uh, right now? I, I haven't picked it up yet. It's like a $6 purchase. Um, and uh, you can play the old original 1988 version of it, on you know my Apple you know operating system ten point six eight you know so they've they've adapted uh, as part of the rollout for the Wasteland two because the guys who designed Wasteland lost the uh, intellectual property rights to it but wanted to do more post apocalypse and they went on uh, you know as part of the studios for Interplay to make Fallout one and two um, later. Of course, uh, Interplay sold the rights to Bethesda after, you know, uh, mucking around with uh, having the game, I guess it was uh, Fallout, their Fallout 3, Codename Van Buren, uh, lost in development hell for about, God, you know, eight years, something like that. Um, but uh, the, uh, and there are some, there are two other games. There's uh, Fallout Tactics, which never came out for Mac, but uh, sometime in around, I don't know, maybe... 2000, something like that, um, Fallout 1 and 2 were available 
uh, for uh, a Macintosh, and so that that was my exposure. And I still have them on my machine, and they still run just fine. Uh, but I never got around to Tactics. I think I might have rented Fallout uh, Brotherhood of Steel, uh, which was this incredibly shitty, poorly produced um, first-person shooter uh, that came out for the Xbox. It was absolutely awful. It was perhaps the... Oh, yeah, I forgot about the, that one. <laughs> the, it, is the, it is the nadir of the franchise. And certainly there's uh, a lot of noise about canon in the world of Fallout because, again, there's... Uh, what are we doing now? I guess technically there have been six games uh, over since 97. And which ones are canon and which ones aren't? You know, which ones, you know... Uh, and I don't know why that's... I mean, I understand why some of that's important to people who love uh, a well-developed world, but I can I can pretty much guarantee that anything that was in Fallout Brotherhood Steel was just a bad dream, like Dallas, where you, oh. know, you just woke up at the end and Bobby Ewing or whoever was back alive and it never happened. Uh, it was uh, it was universally or, 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 or like Bob Newhart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, uh, Fallout Tactics, they've hinted a couple of times very obliquely uh, to things in Fallout Tactics. And certainly... Fallout 3, in my humble opinion, was an amalgam of, of elements from all those. Fallout 1, 1, 2, and 3, Fallout, Fallout 2, and Fallout Tactics. Elements of that were all used to create uh, Fallout 3. And a lot of people bitched and moaned that somehow uh, Fallout 3 was not an advance of the story. It was, like, it was almost like a reboot. Um, I wouldn't call it that, but I certainly would think that it was a way to completely bring people into the franchise who had no previous contact. Oh yeah, with I, the franchise. I, I was one of those people. I never yeah. played. I, I heard of the game. I knew a little bit about it. I think I might have tried it once on a PC, but I just didn't. I didn't really like it that much. But I liked. I know. I tried selling you on it for years. You did. You did. It, it was a uh, because I, I thought the retro, the retro future apocalypse. Was incredibly Gamma World. Oh yes, it is very Gamma World. But it is. I tried playing it. I just. I just couldn't get into it. Uh, the mechanics of it. But then Fallout Three came out. It was a first-person shooter. That's the type of games uh, I'm accustomed to on the console. And you know they used the Elder Scrolls, the new, the newer Elder Scrolls. I think four. It was. I think it was a th four or five. I can't remember which one it was. They well, it was Bethesda. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they they used that uh, game engine and it worked great. Uh, the game itself was such an it was such an expansive uh, universe that you played in. It seemed like it was limitless. I mean, you could wander anywhere, but you had restrictions. But it seems like you could go anywhere. The runescapes everywhere. All the little subplots of the game, like you didn't just have to follow the main path. There were so many little tiny stories, just one little things here and there, little hidden things to find. So much work and effort went into creating that universe, that fall through universe. It was fantastic because there were so many little, tiny, hidden things that, like, oh, wait, what's that? Oh, wait, what's this? Randomly finding shit, references. I mean, I thought, I mean, a lot of work went into that game. I mean, and, and the, hundreds uh, and, probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of development for that game. And I think I'd seen things were standing where developers, like the main developer, I think I remember him saying once, he's like, I don't even know everything in this game. Yeah, when they and asked I, him if he was if he knew everything in the game, he says, "No, that's what I have a, I have a staff for." Yeah, because people like, were assigned various areas 
regions to develop on their own. Teams work to create, you know, uh, sections of the game uh, completely independently of each other, uh, which I thought was smart so that there wasn't a lot of, uh, they didn't repeat themselves. Yeah, yeah exactly. There was so much, there was so many cool little things in that game. Um, and, I, you know, some of the things I loved, like I loved how, um, you know, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the game's right, let, let's let's go ahead and say spoiler. If you if you haven't played this five year old game, game or its uh, three year old sequel, and you're going to be angry because we told you something that's going to happen, please please take a moment to fuck yourself and stop watching because stop holy watching. shit. Uh, second of all, as much as we can sit here and talk about like the design history of these games and 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 the various people involved, I don't want to do that um, because there are. There's there are so a couple much of, out there. Yeah, there's so much out there. And the, the two Fallout Wiki, the Fallout Wiki. Uh, there's the Vault, and, which is a which is a pretty good wiki. Uh, that yeah. it's my go-to. The, the my go-to wiki is Nukipedia. Um, so if you take a look at Nukipedia and uh, the Vault, those two wikis are gigantic uh, and incredibly exhaustive. And there's all kinds of information you can get about the you know the origin of the games, the 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 the, the, the hundreds of in jokes. From everything from Godzilla meets Bambi to uh, Monty Python that turn up, you know, throughout these games. Um, just, you know, you can all do that. I think what we're going to do today is mostly talk uh, about our experience of the game. You know, uh, what, it, what, it, what, it, what, how we experienced those games. Oh yeah, exactly. Like I said, the things that we loved. Um, like one of the thing, one of the things that I loved was when he got to the. Uh, the satellite array. When you went through that adventure, got to the equipment, and you were able to get there and find some launch codes and connection to an orbiting nuke station, and you were able to just launch the nukes. And you, if you ran outside, you could see that you could see them coming down from the sky. It's like that. Not that the not not that the landscape wasn't already devastated by nukes. You know, it was like 150 years ago. Here comes some more. Just randomly. Falling out of the sky because you turned, you pressed the button. I uh, I don't know if it's a if it's an actual genuine in-game video. I can't remember, but somebody you, you, there's a there's a there's an escort mission. Uh, there's a particular escort mission in Fallout Three where you have to escort. Was she, was, was the question is, was she hot? No, it was that kid you take oh, from you take from Little Lancelot, that 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 colony of children who live in uh -huh. the old uh, uh, caverns. And you, the kid's name is Sticky, which is bad to start with. And he's yeah. got the cone-shaped party hat. And you have to escort him across the wasteland to Big Town, where they dump all their all the people who've reached the age of 16 or whatever get kicked out of uh, a little lamplight. And the whole way, he just rambles on. He just, he just won't stop talking. Yeah. The most inane, annoying things. It just goes on and on. I watched somebody make a video where they actually took him took him out into the wasteland, took him over to where they knew the nuke strike was going to fall from the satellite. He told him to stand there. He told him to stay here and then went inside the uh, the thing, shot all the raiders, you know, or whatever, fired the missiles and nuked Sticky, which um, that was incredibly satisfying. But again, holy crap, it was a game where you could do that, where you could take two completely separate storylines. Oh, yeah, it was so... And, and cross them over. Oh, it's it's a fantastic all the little things you know like uh, re the reference they reference the original games isn't there the one like the uh, like there's some 
mutant who like turns into a tree or oh, something. Oh God, Harold. Harold. Yeah. Poor fucking Harold who turns up in Fallout Three, and you'd seen him in Fallout One and Two. And when you see his ultimate fate, it's one of the it's one of the scenarios in the game which uh, I really like. Had these these sort of no win scenarios, like you know, no matter what your decision is, it sucks. You find Harold, and he's gr- a, the tree or the the little flower that was grown out of his head in Fallout Two has turned into a tree and immobilized him, and he's horribly stuck in this tree, rooted to the ground. And his his basic message when you meet him is. Kill, kill me. me. And your options are, well, you can either kill him and he will stop he will stop growing and therefore plant life will not return to the wasteland. You know? Uh, or you can leave him there to suffer and it will you know, the, the, the lush green verdant world will come back, you know. So it's a, if you can handle one guy being tortured forever, you get to have trees. <laughs> well that's an easy decision. Yeah, you're, you're okay with torturing Harold, clearly. Maybe. But uh, but just the game itself, you know, the look, the feel, it's, it's got that retro it's got that retro 50s view of the future, you know. And then they've really uh, they've kind of really nailed that pretty good, you know. So and again, it has that very the cars all have fins, you know. That there's the there's the 50s style diners. The yes. interior of the houses have all the sort of 50s Mr. clothing. Hayden. Mr. Handy, Mr. Handy Robot, you know, it's it's oh, got all, it's got all that cool shit. Again, very, a uh, very Gamma World esque with that whole retro future thing, ray guns and things like that, which they eventually have. You know, guys in power armor. You know, it is it again, very very Gamma World. That that's again a lot of what's uh, uh, sold sold me on on that. It was uh, the look, the feel. Um, Don't, let us not forget the Rad Scorpions, the Rad right. Scorpion who turned up in Fallout One and Two and have been all through the series, but those exist because of the stop-motion scorpions in Damnation Alley. Oh, well. You would not, you would not have rad scorpions if it wasn't for, uh, was it Jan Michael Vincent? Mm-hmm. Uh, jumping his motorcycle over them in in, um, in Damnation Alley. With his mannequin on the back, and his yep. uh, buddy thought, why'd you leave that woman there for? It was a mannequin, sir. You know, <laughs> so... Uh... <laughs> that didn't stop him from talking to it and kissing it, which is even more disturbing. Well, when you're a bunch of guys at a missile silo after... Yeah, really the, mani- the mannequin is your best option. Yeah, honestly. yes. There's <laughs> there's no dropping this soap in the shower. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. But, yeah uh, I would also like to point out that... Did you notice that the missile base in Damnation Alley was destroyed because of masturbation and pot? Was it? I don't remember that. The guy's smoking pot and reading dirty magazines, and he drops the ash on the on the magazines, which catches fire and blows the base up. So oh, that's right. Apparently, 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 Playboy and uh, the wacky tobacco will will be the end of you. Destroy us all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but back to Fallout. Fallout. Um, so again, uh, very expansive. Again, I said I loved how. Was, we- uh, let me ask you a question. What was your what was that first feeling when you step out on the over the scenic overlook when you get out of the vault and you escape from the vault at the beginning and your first step out suddenly there's no roof on you you know and you step out of that world what was your first thought about that when you saw that it's full of stars <laughs> but uh, 
Oh, it was just like, wow. I mean, because you could just see to the horizon. It was like... I kind of presumed that the horizon was fake. You know, that there's going to be a fucking wall, an invisible nope. wall. In the game. Well, there is. There is eventually, but... But it's not there. When you're first looking out, you literally can go as far as you can see. You can, You keep going. You're like the Energizer Bunny. You just keep going and going and going. It, it, it was... Again, it's so big. It's so detailed. It's so rich. There's just so much going on in that game. And this is just the base game. Yeah, and they, forget and the they DLC. Have, yeah, how many expansions? Was it five? It's five. It's first it was... Uh, well, actually, Anchorage, I guess, was first. Anchorage. Uh, which was... Uh, what's it called? Is it Operation Anchorage? Anchorage. Anchorage. Uh, you get to the virtual reality machine. Yeah. Um, then I think uh, the next one is The Pit. The Pit. Uh, and I think the third one is Broken Steel. But really... Broken Steel is the one that you, you know, sort of the the one that uh, made sure that the game did not have a permanent ending. Yes. Uh, in Fallout 1, uh, you know, you go out, you know, the, the original quest in Fallout 1, for, I don't know, maybe somebody doesn't know, was your vault is failing. The, water, fa you, the water system, right? You yeah, the water chip equipment. has failed, and you now need to go out into the world and find a replacement water chip. And uh, while out there, you discover the, the the master and his mutant army are also going to be a threat, and you have to deal with them, because even if you get the water fix, chip fixed, the mutants will come and take over your vault. Uh, and at the end of it, the, 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 the vault's overseer says, well, you know, uh, thanks for saving us all, but you've been changed by the out-of-doors, and we can't let you back in to contaminate the population with your crazy ideas about outside. So they, they shut you out of the vault, and that's the end of the game. Uh, Fallout 2, even after you do the missions in Fallout 2, and the main deal in Fallout 2 is uh, about beating the Enclave, uh, destroying the Enclave's uh, main base. And after you finish that, you could keep playing the game. You could go back and get all the side missions that you missed, uh, or just wander around uh, waiting for random encounters to blow things up. Uh, the best random encounter in Fallout 2 was where you run into... The Gateway to Tomorrow from the Star Trek episode. You know, oh, the one nice. where, you know, DeForest Kelly jumps through, goes to the 1930s, and they have to, you know, uh, God, who's the, who's the actress they had to kill? Was it, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, yeah, 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 from, from, from Dynasty or, for, you know, or, 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 or the English actress, you know. They have to kill her so that she doesn't, you know, have a pacifist movement at the wrong time in history and let the Nazis win World War II. Well, you actually run into the, the gateway again. and you, you, it's, in a, it's a random encounter and fall, and if you go through it, it dumps you into the past in your vault from Fallout 1, and if you wander around and, like, there's, like, a console that you can interact with, with, as soon as you touch it, it says, oh, you broke the water chip. Oh, nice. And you scurry back and, you know, eventually find your way, uh, you know, back to the, you know, back to the present. But then you become, you therefore become your own grandfather paradox because you're playing someone who's a descendant of the character in the first film, or first game. So, yeah, that was, that was the kind of in-joke humor that you would get all the time in those. But, Fallout 2 lets you keep playing the so, game. So, so, basically, so basically you're Philip Fry, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And uh, the problem, and in Fallout 3, there was a definitive end of the game. You, you know, it's whole where... Broken Steel came out where they said, okay, you know what? You can complete the game, but you can keep going if you want. Yeah, yeah. and I, I really, that was, the, that was the, boy, was that the right thing to do. 
Oh, because there was there was so much, uh, you know, uh, scuttlebutt. People were so angry. Like the game's over. I want to go back and do shit. So the hair, yeah, you know your, what? Your final achievement is to die heroically. And I'm like, no, nobody likes that. No, uh, that's not good. Yeah, you know, I understand when the, the when the lone wanderer, the vault dweller, you know, sort of walks off into the sunset at the end of Fallout One. That's okay. Sunset, fine. But drop dead. <laughs> That's your that's your reward is to drop dead. Um, that sucked. Um, and the game would end. There were options not to drop dead, but even those options brought the game to a close. Still brought the game to an end. end. Exactly. So Broken so. still, uh, you know, allowed you to keep playing the game ad infinitum, which was the right thing to do. Exactly. Because a lot of people didn't like that, and it made a lot of people happy. So Broken Steel came out. Then after Broken Steel was Point Lookout. Yeah, and finally Mothership Zeta. Mothership Zeta. Which, by the time Mothership Zeta came out, and you're like 50th level, and you're getting alien ray guns, and all this crazy-ass shit, you just got so powerful to where it's almost like, you know what, you almost got to start over to have a good time. Because otherwise, I know there's a point where I'm just walking around the wasteland like, boop, 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 super mutant behemoths, whatever, boop, 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 just dropping everything, you know? I don't know about you, sir, but the super mutant overlord never, never got easy. That never got easy. I'll tell you what was a challenge was keeping your damn companions alive. Oh yeah. Yeah, when you they, 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 yeah, their their intelligence wasn't that great. They're still what? Where do you want me to go? Yeah, yeah you're <laughs> sneaking, and if they see a threat, they just jump up and run right at it. And dog meat would routinely get mushed by albino rad scorpions or something. You know, um, uh, I just remember when I loaded Broken Steel for the first time, and they. They upgraded the, the critters in the wasteland, and I just remember the first time I started realizing, oh wait, there's extra horrible shit in the game. Like, uh, you know, I'm sneaking around with Sharon. The out of nowhere, this scorpion starts coming at us. It's dark, so I don't really realize it's it's you know it's albino, yeah. and it kills him in one attack. It just goes boom, and his body just sort of pinwheels. You know, oh yeah, the those... the rag the ragdoll effects in that game were classic <laughs> at times. You know, and I'm like, holy crap! You know, and you know, like, okay, we're gonna put that save back. We're gonna go back a little bit because there's you know, and leave him somewhere safe because suddenly you know the wasteland outclassed your uh, your companions. Now it's gotten you know? now it's gotten dangerous. Yeah, you know? a, a real tough thing would be to try and keep companions alive, or even NPCs because there are certain locations where uh, bits of the wasteland would spawn too close. So the one I always hear about was um, uh, Big Town with the with the, the kids in it, and uh, Canterbury Commons. There was uh, something I read on some of the wikis saying that uh, oh, death claws or giant rad scorpions will spawn real close. And one of the problems with like uh, Big Town is even they got a moat around it. The AI for the NPCs they'll run across their bridge out. Uh, you know, beyond where they're protected and attack, get into the shit with something, you know, that they can't handle and they'll all get killed. So, you know, uh, uh, one of the things I did in the game after a while, after, you know, was uh, go around and sneak up on people who were sleeping in communities that I liked 
and upgrade their weapons and equipment. I'd like go and get you know all these you know, get the armor all repaired and the weapons all at the max and load them up with a bunch of energy cells because yeah by this you, point in the game you you reverse pickpocket the good shit to them. Yeah, and, I, and by this point you're you know you're looking at hundreds of thousands of bottle caps in your inventory. Well, what else are you gonna spend them on? And you just go and suddenly everybody in Big Town has combat armor and flamethrowers and missile launchers and you know you just get them all tooled up. So that they can, you know, protect themselves. So, so what they can at least last, you know, thirty yeah. seconds. <laughs> yeah. If if you, yeah, if you ended up like, I don't know, the, the, often those spawning problems would happen when you fast traveled to an area. Yeah. You know, and so I would routinely fast travel near an area and then walk up because, like, Megaton was the worst for that. If you fast traveled to Megaton on your way out, there would be a chance to spawn some critter out front. And it would eventually, you know, it would eventually chew up Deputy Weld or uh, that sniper who's over the doorway. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, that would always... But that, all right, granted, in the games where I nuked Megaton, I didn't care. But in the games where I was, you know, trying... That was my house. That was well, that my was, hometown. Well, that was very conscientious of you to do Thank that. You. But, Thank uh, you. I maintained a lot of un uncomfortably close relationships to things that didn't exist in that game. Hmm. You know? Like things that you wanted to preserve, even though it's just I I understand how people play games; and they just kill everybody they meet. It's like, oh, that's a really nice hat. I hope you're not essential to the storyline. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I routinely didn't want to blow places up because you know, or or, or massacre everybody I met. But um, uh, yeah, going back to um, sort of but experiences. Good. But but also now, now we're talking about is how we played on the console. You know, I played on the Xbox, you played on the Xbox. Yeah. There was also, of course, computer versions of this, and they released the, uh, what was it? Uh, the Gek. The Gek. So where people were able to make their, you know, we can't even get into no. the amount of mods that are out there for the PC versions. How many people created so much of their own content? Oh, built their game? own, built their own uh, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, uh, personalized super bases and their, their own personalized vaults or uh, built their own adventures with uh, dialogue trees and, uh, you know, things like that. Um, they've modded in uh, skins from other games to build uh, different new weapons or new monsters. Um, yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't just, like, some people like, oh, I'm going to put some more of this. There are some people doing some full-on ga like game development, basically, there. They, these yeah. people were, like... Spending some serious hours making all this shit. There's a yeah. lot of good. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube if you want to like go out and check people's uh, uh, video games or videos of games where they uh, they play some of these mods. There's a guy named Al Chestbreach who does these videos. He does an enormous number of uh, of walkthroughs and playthroughs of some of the mods, and some of the they are really some of them are really shockingly good. They're just they're 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 kind of jaw dropping. Kind of like it's kind of what you wonder is like do these people do this shit professionally anyway? Yeah, you know? yeah. That they might they might have that might be their day job somewhere else. One yeah. of the most amazing was people have gone back in and they have farmed uh, information about the uh, the uh, Van Buren Fallout Three Project Van Buren. Which was never developed. Now, elements of Van Buren do go on to be in Fallout New Vegas, Caesar's Legion, uh, the Hoover Dam, uh, things like that turn up in uh, New Vegas. Um, there's a lot of stuff that does. But um, 
the uh, they they are also ideas that were dropped and never developed. Uh, one of them being something called the Boulder Dome, which was supposed to be like this sealed environment uh, filled with scientists left over from before the war uh, that you can investigate. And somebody built an entire Boulder Dome uh, mod uh, where you can, uh, you know, they set up a um, they set up a truck or something where you can interact with it in the game and travel, much like you traveled on the Duchess Gambit to um, uh, to Point Lookout or on the rail car to the pit uh, in Pittsburgh. You could just you know click on it and then poof, you're transported to another another completely new environment uh, for Fallout. And this again, folks, is all on the PC, so that's not what you don't you don't get that kind of experience on the on the console. Yeah. So again, it all depends. It all depends on you know what level of uh, interaction you want to have with it. But uh, again, I mean, I played again. And, and, I'm not a PC. And to say that the GEC, the GEC is actually the level editor. The level the GEC, editor. Yeah. yeah the, the GEC is what they used at, at Bethesda and Black Isle and you know wherever to to actually lay out their game and create their game. That was the tool that they used. And they made it publicly available so people could muck around with it. And it created a very vibrant community. Yeah, which is which is pretty cool that they uh, did do that. So, and unfortunately, it's it, you know it's not impossible to do that kind of stuff for for the console. So we're kind of stuck with whatever they give us for for DLC. But again, it's a great. I mean, it, the game was great. I mean, I loved you know the I mean, mutants were cool. Um, uh, robots. I love the robots interacting. Yeah, the, the robots are very Gamma World. Where you show up at a very Gamma World. Now, when it came to mutants. You didn't see a lot of uh, a lot of Gamma World-ish mutants. Okay, you had your ghouls, you had your super mutants, but that was about it. You didn't really have mutants in the sense of Gamma World, just to clarify, that weren't like, okay, I got, you know, there wasn't a lot of, like, you know, psychic powers or mutant abilities. It was just, like, su super mutants, just a big brute, and the ghouls are kind of, like, almost undead creatures. You know, basically, giantism seemed to be the yeah. biggest mutation, you know? Giant flies, giant roaches, giant... Mantises, giant scorpions, Indians. yeah, you know, giant, you know, bear-like creatures, you know. So again, variations of it, but nothing that's really like mutants, like you know, people with four arms and laser eyes. Until, or anything until like the that. centaurs. The that's, centaurs. Now I can't. I think the centaurs are in. The centaurs are in um, Fallout Three. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the centaurs is maybe the most mutanty thing. Besides the ghouls, but even the ghouls are just you know, sort of anthropomorphic, and that's I actually that's something worth mentioning. Is that one of the things that really got me for the pit was the uh, the new animations for the trog. Oh yeah, the, the, they the, were... the, 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 yeah. Well, it was a completely new animation in the game where it, things didn't just walk around like a like a human. You know, yeah, like they weren't they weren't they weren't a, they weren't a reskin. Of, of the framework of a, of a regular character. It was totally yeah. different. Yeah. Now, the ghouls do have their own personalized animations, that squatting thing that they do while they're at rest, and, you know, they they have certain animations where they're gnawing on bones and stuff like that, but, uh, and their attacks. So the ghouls, feral ghouls, had their own animation that made them more interesting than, say, than a lot of creatures. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, the trogs, the first time, we had that horrible four-legged, Morlock from H.G. Wells, you know, the oh. time machine kind of, kind of crawling around and being savage, and they got me. They really got oh. my attention. Oh, yeah, the, the, 
Oh, when I when I got when I first went out into the area where the trogs were, and like, oh, go look for this. I was like, I almost pooped my pants when I saw those <laughs> things coming at me, you know? Because you didn't you didn't have the weapons. Like you had to get like the chain, like the the yeah, like the, the axe, the axe thing. Oh my god, yeah, it was. Well, you you had been telling me that you never put any any points into sneak. You never nope, snuck nope, anywhere. Nope. And so I, when you I was not the, I was not a sneaker. At and all. so when you were playing the when you were playing the pit. You were just ringing the dinner bell everywhere you went. Yep. Brute force. I brute forced my way through the entire game. Every character. I'm like, you know, I just put so much into it. It's like, you know what? If I can't beat it down, then, you know, you know, no, yeah, no sneak, no stealth. I, there was no being quiet. No, it, it was all about, okay, you know what? I, I was just, I was just, I was playing the, uh, the tank. Yeah, I guess yeah. to make, to make a Warcraft reference or a game, computer game. I was just like, I'm gonna be big and bad, and I'm gonna pound through your ass. That was that was my philosophy on all my characters. Uh, so the uh, and, and, yeah. and it works. <laughs> yeah, you know, sure you died. Everybody dies. Everybody yeah. dies. Uh, Everybody far. dies. Uh, but um, no, I was just the opposite. I'm the guy who uh, you're recently. Uh, yeah, I was, I was the pussy who had to go <laughs> and once I realized that playing through Operation Anchorage. Lets you end up with the Chinese stealth armor where you're invisible. Um, that's the first thing I did on my next playthrough. Is as soon as I had like you know, level eight, straight to the brother, straight to the Brotherhood outcasts, get into the the uh, the virtual reality machine, uh, you know, go to Anchorage, unlock the vault, get me that Chinese stealth armor because at that point. I could wander around any environment filled with raiders or mutants and just sort of, you know, spy on them and their animations and the dialogue that was going on. Because it's a game where a lot of times, you know, you'll end up, you know, you can end up seeing things where, like, two different groups of animations will just go after each other. Oh, the yeah. Game it... doesn't care, the game doesn't care if you're there. You know, some raiders will fight some super mutants, and you can just be out there with your opera glasses, you know, watching it go oh. down, so you can police up their ammo and gear. When oh, done. yeah. I get That was brilliant the way they designed the games, where it doesn't need... You're right. It didn't need to have you to uh, interact or be involved. So if you were in the area, and people are running around, the, the NPCs would interact with each other. You know, people would attack each other. Monsters would fight each other. It's like, that was cool. Yeah. Because it wasn't just like, oh, we're just going to stand here and wait for the player character to come around so we can do something. No, they would be wandering around, and if a random rat scorpion come by, it would, it would say, you know what, you're dinner. He would start, it would start attacking the raiders, and the raiders yeah. would be fighting them. That that was that was brilliant. With the, the AI was fairly yeah, 2008, decent it was when it great. came to that. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, they did a good job with uh, that. But, so. Uh, so I was going to uh, say that, you know, um, uh, the... Um, uh, I could go on and on about you know the pit because uh, it was my favorite DLC because it had yeah, the... the pit. The pit was ex was very exceptional. It was very good. Different environment. It wasn't just a rad blasted wasteland. You were actually in the ruins of a city, yeah. which you didn't you didn't see. You saw the expanse of ruins around you a little bit in downtown DC, but. You were in a rune city, which you didn't really get to do in the rest of the wasteland. And it was DC multi. Wasteland. And it was multi level. You know, oh, yeah. where, where it was all those uh, broken out uh, apartments on the like cliff dwellings, yeah, with all yeah. the the bridges and, and and scaffolding that went between it. That was a really uh, genuinely new environment. Uh, the whole look of it, that poisoned look 
from the pollution and the radiation rather than just straight out you know nuclear devastation really worked and then it was a then it was a it was just such a great bad decision where you either side with the warlord who has genuinely decent aspirations but you know is being a warlord or you can side with the rebels who are genuinely oppressed but their leader is a douchebag yeah. who doesn't give a shit about the people he's looking out for or he says he's leading. I mean, they're just they're just tools for him to become the new warlord. Yeah. Well, that that was also a big part of the game too. Was there, you had to make a lot of decisions for right or for wrong. There was a lot of you know moral or or more ethical decisions you had to make. It's like, well, this guy's you know you know he's really you know putting the thumb on people, but he's really trying to help. But the but yeah, like you said, this guy is a douche and he's using these people. Uh, who do you who do you pull the trigger when it's next to their head? You know you have yeah. to make these decisions, and uh, and they're not and and the decisions weren't always easy in that game. Yeah, and my favorite being Tenpenny Tower. Oh yeah, totally. Ten, Tenpenny Tower. When you get in and you know that Mister Tenpenny who runs the place is a douchebag, and his second in command, um, Mister Burns or whatever his name was, it Burns. I don't remember. Uh, is 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 a is a scumbag because the first time you meet them they want you to help blow up the town of Megaton, um, but when you get in there there's all these other people in the building a lot of them are douchebags, uh, and there's a group of ghouls who want to get into the building and because they they can afford to buy their way in but there's all this prejudice and you think oh I know let's just negotiate well everyone will talk about if you're playing a good character yeah like, well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna negotiate and they've got the money to get in and they can be valuable contributors to Tenpenny Tower and maybe the snobs will be less snobby if the ghouls are allowed in and you work this deal and everyone's reasonable and you totally reasonable out and you let the ghouls in and they murder everybody yeah, <laughs> they, murder they go to town and kill every single person you met, including the one or two who were not annoying. Uh, yeah. They're all—they've all been massacred, and their bodies are stacked up down in the basement. And you find them all dismembered down there, and it's like, but, but, but we were being reasonable. It's like, ah, fuck them. We're in charge now, and I'm like, I um, yeah, that that was a real slap in the face when you realize, oh wait negotiating and trying to get people to cooperate may not be the best answer. Nope. There's some folks who just have to be put down. And that and that was that was predominant through the entire game. Again, making decisions, making tough decisions, and then you make these decisions that you think are okay, I made a good choice. No. <laughs> no, done. But uh, but besides Fallout Three, let's let's maybe uh, jump into. Well, the last I, I do want to I do want to say something about the DLCs. I mean, because okay. listen, sir, we could do two two shows on this, and I don't mind. At least I could because I'm a huge fan. But I do want to say something else about the DLCs. Uh, Operation Anchorage wasn't great, but it was sort no. of interesting. It was uh, the fir- it was the first one. It was nice that they did something different. Probably the most poorly executed. It wasn't that yeah. great. It was very. I mean, granted, it was a complete railroad, but the idea that you're going inside a VR virtual yeah. reality simulator, you could accept the fact that it was a game. You were yeah. actually in a game, and it wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the plus side, you get those. You get the awesome Chinese stealth armor. The rewards for going through it were really good. You got great weapons out of it. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. The, the, the benefits were nice. 
the the pit uh, was definitely the new was the was the most original new environment. Um, the pit was uh, really good. But that's probably Broken Steel opened the whole thing up. Well, uh, Broken 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 Steel was good because it opened up the game to make it you know infinite play. But again, wasn't necessarily the best DLC. It was the, the best part about it was that it, it gave the open ending, like you could play past the ending. But what they added to it, I don't think it really you added mean, a whole lot. It didn't add a whole lot to the game, I don't think. Personally. Well, there's a part, well, you got to see. I mean, you got to see poor old Liberty Prime by it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was I've, okay. I've heard people say they burst into tears when Liberty Prime does that, everyone retreat to minimum safe distance as the fucking missiles are coming down and destroying him. It's like, I die so that freedom may live, or whatever the <laughs> those great recorded propaganda things that would come out of Liberty Prime's mouth while it was uh, blowing up everyone while thinking they were communists. Um, that was kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, there were some, there, there some good parts to it, but it's like, compared to some of the other ones... The it environment was not as different. It wasn't yeah, it, it, different. It, it didn't add a whole lot. I mean, they added the open ending. It added Liberty Prime, which is cool. But overall, now Point Lookout. Oh, that's a that's another story. Before we get to that, let me just say Mothership Zeta was actually to me very weak because. Well, that's it, well, that's the fifth one. Let's let's you know, let's go okay, forward. Right, well, let's go for Point Lookout. You go Point Lookout first. Oh, I loved Point Lookout. Yeah, I thought I just I don't know I love that environment. You know, you took the ferry boat there, the swamp, and the, the swamp people. Uh, there was, like, some Lovecraftian elements in there, too. Oh, yeah. You know, with yeah. the Necronomicon and the evil books and, you know, the backward swamp people. <clears throat> I mean, I really – I loved – you could swim in the water. There was, like, a sunken submarine that you could swim down to. And, and get inside. And, and get inside. And get inside, yeah. And, and get shit. There was a lot of... Well, of course, that introduced the new super ghouls that threw radioactive poop at you. But, you know... Um, I, I, I don't know about that. I think, the, I think those guys were at Broken Steel because I loaded up Broken where, Steel. Where were they? I remember I loaded up Broken Steel. I was wandering around the sewers in D.C. and I see a ghoul squatting somewhere. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to shoot him in the head with my little silenced pistol. Because I've been killing ghouls left and right with it, and I shot him, and I just made him mad, and then he just showed up and just beat the crap out of me, just leapt well, up and. Weren't were but they added they added a different ghoul to that one. There was a new. There's a swamp, there's a swamp ghoul. There were there was, was some, there was some sort of swamp ghouls, but it wasn't was, the the reaver. Oh, it wasn't the reaver. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, there was some kind of swamp ghoul that was pretty badass too. It was just like it was ridiculous. Swamp but, lurks. But overall, I, I really love that content. You know, um, I think I think it was one of, one of the better ones out there. They added some new weapons. I loved going in the water. Uh, you know, all the little things you could get offshore. Uh, it was all, all the know. creeping, bubbling, you know, swampy, you know, muck. And the only thing that was possibly missing was quicksand. Just that. Oh, <laughs> they'd yeah. throw in, they'd throw in quicksand. You can wander into like a trap and just, you know. Suddenly, your character drops down into the muck. That would have been hilarious. Oh yeah. Um, so that was, but that, so that was, a, that was what, that was probably one of my favorites. Is because it was the, huge too. I mean, it was big, pit, very big. The pit was not was what a quarter or a fifth that size. Yeah, but it was, very, it was very well was done though. It was, it was a very good environment and out. Well, it was you were on an island, so you had a lot of a lot of room to run around in, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Point Lookout, again, I think it was one of the better, one of the best, probably one of the best ones they came out with. And then uh, Mothership Zeta, 
it was a neat concept. Oh, look, you got here on a ship, and look, here are all these people from the past. The mothership's been capturing people and gathering shit on Earth, and it's been orbiting. It was kind of neat, but again, like you said, pretty weak. Well, it was, you know, they, I, I like that they sort of started down a 1950s, you know, alien movie path. Yeah. Um, and... You know, there were some amusing things like where you find the mercury capsule, you know, and there's all kinds of amusing artifacts to find inside the uh, the mothership. But because it was just hallways and rooms and hallways and rooms, yeah, you walk on the surface of the spaceship once. It was a dungeon. It was it was a dungeon crawl. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a good answer. Um, it wasn't the same as having a place. I mean, the pit and Point Lookout both provided places you could go back to and poke around even after you finished the main storyline. Oh, yeah. Well, well, you, well, you could go back there, I think, to the main deck, but that was about it. You really couldn't do a yeah. whole lot, you know? Yeah, you could go back to the, the, the commander, I think, and that was about it. Um, I mean, you found, you, you found some neat shit. Like, you found some, like, I think in the, in the garbage piles, you found, like, uh, in a safe, you found some kind of prototype plasma. You found some pretty powerful shit in that one. It was basically, you know, it was a little, it was a little Monty Hall. You oh, know, some uh, of the shit you found in there. Not to mention, one of my favorite things is they took some things. They took a couple of items that were from point, uh, Operation Anchorage, I think. Uh, they were only available in the in the uh, uh, virtual reality simulator. Like I think General General Constantine chases jacket with all his stars on the collar was something you could find on Mothership Zeta, but mm. you couldn't take it with you out of uh, out of uh, uh, the, the VR simulator, obviously. Uh, but you could find things like that, and there were a couple of other, you know, sort of odd, you know, little discovery you could come up with, but um, it, the the story wasn't anything like no. uh, like Point Lookout. I mean, for fuck's sake, do you remember the point? Did you at what point in point lookout did you realize you'd been lobotomized? I don't remember. Do you remember? There's yeah. this bit where they steal a piece of your brain. Yep. And you can't. And suddenly, you, you, your care. The only sign that something has changed is that you can't put your hat on. Your character can no longer wear a hat or a helmet. And if you go to third person outside point of view, there's this giant bald spot and this big scar. Like You, you look like Landon, the astronaut from Planet of the Apes. You know? And uh, it was just like, what the mother... F now I'm motivated. Whatever, <laughs> whatever was going on in Point Lookout, somebody's going to have to pay for fucking up my haircut. That's oh, all yeah. I was doing. Yeah, I remember getting a little angry. When, you know... <laughs> In fact, when you finally confront Tovar the ferryman, spoiler yeah. alert, the, uh, the the weapon I used to kill him was that special axe you find called the Dismemberer. Oh, yeah. Which its special effect was that if you hit somebody with it and got a critical, they would fly apart <laughs> into a million pieces. And I'm just like, ah, die, splashed him all over the engine room, took my little brain in a jar, and went home to Megaton, and put the brain on a shelf in my apartment. Yep. And you can look at it and look, you know, yeah, I remember that. It's like, it was so disconcerting. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure multiple people had that experience of, well, I'll just, I'll just put this here, right next to the... Uh, there's, nothing the I can do. there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> right on the shelf next to the pre-war books I haven't, uh, you know, turned in yet, and the um, <clears throat> all the... 
technical manuals that I've collected. And, Am I Grog, Grog the Barbarian or, you know? <laughs> Grog, yeah, exactly. There was actually a point where, I, you know, I'd gotten up enough skill points because mm, there was a point where you started maxing out your skills completely in, uh, in Fallout, so everything's 100. Uh, where I started just going, well, I'm just going to collect those skill books and put them on a shelf and de decorate my apartment with them. Uh, yeah, they went next to the skill books and the, you know, maybe a uh, maybe a nice uh, Brahmin skull right there. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. another. That's another thing I got to point out about that game. Um, it was kind of embarrassing how interested I got in decorating my damn apartment. Like it, like it was a, like it was a Barbie dream house or something. Yeah, it suddenly became my post-apocalyptic Barbie dream house where I'm like, let's see which uh, which uh, you know motif will I use and how am I going to fill it up with crap? And, oh yeah, I, you know, I got the point. I was changing motifs, collecting trophies, and then it's like, okay, I'm spending too much time doing this. Yeah, you know, yeah. it got it got a it, but uh, time to go out go out and just try to fight and kill more things. But <laughs> but but that was uh but that was Fallout Three, pretty expansive. Uh, we really don't got. A whole, we're gonna have to be quick about Fallout New Vegas because we don't well, got a whole. We don't, we, we, don't got a, we don't got a whole lot of time left. So, I say we come back for. I say we come back for more Fallout New Vegas. And if anyone out there is watching this on Google, send him a text message saying episode two should be about New Vegas. But all right, let's let's say New Vegas. Um, there was a guy who reviewed New Vegas who said that when they added hardcore mode, where ammo weighed something and you couldn't have infinite piles of ammo in the game anymore. Where you had you couldn't have the you really couldn't afford to bring along the golf caddy bag filled with rifles and know, what, what, were they, what, what, what were they thinking? This is a video game. I don't want reality. Yeah. And where your character had to sleep, where he starts losing stats and hit points, where he has to eat, where he loses stats and hit points, where the medicines don't heal him instantly, where the uh, medicines don't take the radiation away instantly. Um, the hardcore mode in Fallout New Vegas, I Loved it. I, I it was absolutely awesome for me. Um, but well, but I will admit that you know the only way you're going to make it any more immersive is if you take your games of Fallout, put them in a grinder, grind them up into powder, and fill them fill a swimming pool with it, and then you could jump in and then you would be immersed in Fallout New Vegas. Um, it was well, yeah, it was a brilliant it was a brilliant option for me. Well, yeah, no, it, it makes it more because because like with Fallout Three, it got to the point where at least with me, I got so powerful that there was nothing I couldn't handle. Yeah, everything was a joke. They they so definitely is... they definitely changed it so you didn't get skill points as fast per level, and you didn't get a perk every level. Yeah, you got them yeah. every other level. Yeah, so they slowed it down so you would become these ubermensch, you know, uh, which which was good because it made it more challenging. And uh, with and with with making ammo weigh something. You know, you just you had, to make, you, you had to make a decision. Yeah. Which which gun am I bringing? Because I need to bring as much ammo as possible for this gun, not five guns. You know. Yeah. Exactly. And one of the things, I mean, Fallout Vegas was good. I, I never finished it. Uh, to be honest with you, because okay. I I started losing interest in it because I don't know. It it just it was different, but it seemed to me to be it was the same thing to me. It was it, it wasn't it wasn't uh. Different enough to really uh, keep me keep my interest as much as it did the first time around. You know, um, they added some stuff to it which I thought were it was a little unnecessary, like the whole crafting thing. That I didn't care for because because you know crafting was more of a PC gamer thing with like you know uh, 
uh, some of these other games where you do cra- uh, what was it? Did Warcraft do crafting? I think uh, I don't know, um, but certainly uh, Bethesda put that in some of their other games like Skyrim as well. Skyrim, yeah, it's like it, the crafting thing. I'm like, you know what? I don't I don't get the care about. Well, let me cobble this together to make this and all that. Oh, oh, you want to get this? Well, you have to craft. I didn't like crafting. I know people who love who play piece of games love crafting. I didn't care for that aspect of it. You know, I so well, I, I, I really didn't use it. Fallout. Fallout uh, New Vegas uh, changed some of the skills around. I think. Yes. I want to say that. Um, uh, shoot, uh, it was not like um, uh, survival was the big skill that they added, so that you know your ability to craft things at the fire, it, it, it cook fires and things, got to be kind of important. Yeah. Um, uh, and there was some crafted weapons you could make, and there was certainly the thing where you could unload your ammo. Let's say you're all weighed down with shotgun shells. And you want to convert them into a different type of ammo. I kind of like the part about policing up your brass, and you could make. Although it never really felt like it became an issue. Yeah. I could do it, but it was never something where I'm going to have to because I do not have enough ammo to get through this problem. Yeah. Um, I, I would. I would do. The, I would do the thing with the ammo just to like. Well, I got so many of these 38 rounds, and I don't use that weapon. I would just break them down and do shit with them just to just to get rid of the shit. You know. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't want to just dump it. So I mean, I said I used it a little bit, but again, I didn't. It was not something that I, that I really liked that much uh, about it. And like I said, you know, the the robots were different. You know, they had robots, but those weird kind of with the one hook, wheel, one wheeled. Uh, you well, know, all the other robots are still there. They still had the yeah, the, they had those. I didn't. I didn't care for those too much. You know, those robots seemed to be a little. I don't know. For, again, for me, it's like, nah. A little cartoony. They're a little too cartoony. I mean, and they were, they were, and the thing is, they were trying to be more immersive. Uh, I mean, there was some cool shit. Again, there was some cool stuff about it, but there was just a, some. There was some point I don't remember where, but it just lost me. And I was there, just there like, are definitely things that I I miss about the original game. I mean, first of well, all, the the we, I, I missed all those those weapons you made out of junk. That yeah. was one of my favorite things in Fallout Three. Was the the steam powered uh, railroad spike gun, which yeah. wasn't the best gun in the game, but the very fact that it would knock arms, legs, and heads off of bad guys and stick them into the wall, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm gonna have to kill some guys with this because there's gonna have to be some heads stuck to walls. I mean, you know, you know what it was about Fallout Vegas that I think what kind of lost me was there was too much to do. There was too. I, I felt there was too many options that you couldn't. And as ADD as I am, and have to go, and, I, and I'm very thorough about doing things. It, I, I had a sensory overload, especially with 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 not even with not even the DLC. There yeah. was too much to do. Then start adding the DLC. I was like, I, I can't do this because I will never be able to get through everything. I had I had to I overload and I and I kind of lost interest. Yeah, that's like, that's what? what the that's what the wikis for. And let me assure you, there I have you I use the uh, Fallout wikis as checklists. Have I done everything? Have I done every yeah. quest? And oh my God, have I done the unmarked quests? Because both games have oh, things have. you can accomplish yep. that are not marked, that are not yep. going to appear in they're your just, in your pit boy. There. You know that, so you can knock them off, and it'll tell you how far along in the quest you are. Um, there are other things I, I gotta know. I, I I see where you're coming from, but yeah, uh, it didn't that didn't bother me so much. Um, Fallout at, Fallout New Vegas. I liked the weapons in the earlier game a little bit better, like the Chinese assault rifle. And, yeah, 
And and some of the weapons in the new game were sort of more like weapons. There was a lot of weapons that were like modern firearms as yeah. opposed to fantasy projections of firearms. You yeah. Know? Um, uh, although there was there actually was, right, there was actually like ri- assault rifles. Yeah, yeah, that looked that looked like uh, you know that looked like um, uh, various M4 carbine knockoffs of, of, of various varieties. I kind of preferred the science fictiony looking rifles, the ones where it's kind of an AK, but it's clearly some fantasy version of an AK. Yeah. They're not calling it an AK. Um, so that was yeah, that's personal taste. But uh, on the plus side, the uh, the Gunrunners Arsenal DLC added all these weapons that had appeared in Fallout 1 and 2 to New Vegas. And so there's this huge list of weapons that I'm like, oh, wait, I remember that. I shot guys all the time with the Bozar sniper rifle in Fallout 2, and suddenly you got to play it again. Um, the, uh, the other thing that I would say about Fallout New Vegas is I love the, yeah, the, the, the immersive thing. Where you, had to, you had to sleep. And you'd be sitting there drinking your nuka cola because it would knock off your. You didn't have to sleep as much. It would knock back your sleep quotient, so you didn't start losing hit points. Um, uh, but um, uh, I, I really liked that, and I really liked the. Uh, they brought back the uh, the companion wheel, where you had these very a lot of options on how to interact with your companions. Yeah, you know? they, def- they definitely expanded the uh, the Fallout universe in this. Give you a lot more choices, a lot more control about what and, was going on, which is good. And finally, uh, you could. I, I like the idea that they they divorced the factions you can back from karma. Yes. Uh, that you could be a good character and still uh, back support Caesar's Legion. So, yeah, back Caesar's Legion. You could be an evil character and back the NCR. But one thing I always was regretted in um, uh, Fallout Three was. Uh, your only option is to go with, uh, your only option besides, you know, support the Brotherhood of Steel and uh, your father's vision and make the, uh, the, the uh, water purifier work, was to back um, President Eden's genocidal plan to poison the wasteland, you know, um, and you, you couldn't really, you couldn't back the Enclave. You could only back President Eden uh, because... There's that great moment in the game where the Enclave actually breaks with President Eden, where you know his plan is to poison every, all the ones who are not pure humans, and the rest of the Enclave is like, no, 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 we need this uh, water purifier so people will like us and join us, and then our armies will get bigger, you know, and we'll conquer the wasteland, you know. How about that for a plan, boss? And the crazy AI has different ideas, and it was sort of I was sort of sorry you could never do that option in the game. Uh, certainly that doesn't, but that option is presented in New Vegas. You can support uh, two of the nastiest douchebags in that in the Mojave Wasteland, Mr. House and Caesar. Or, you know, if you want to be even more evil, you can, uh, you can murder Caesar and let his horrifying assistant Lanius uh, take over and make Caesar's Legion even worse. Uh, but you can support that faction, uh, any faction in the game, which... That was very refreshing. That oh yeah, no, like I said, it's definitely good that they had more. You had more choices and more options in that game. When you were speaking about weapons, I just remember the sniper rifle. I rem- I don't remember was it in. Th- it must have been in three, or or two. Like I remember using a sniper rifle a lot. I remember like finding this one 
uber rare sniper the victory rifle. rifle. Yeah. The victory rifle, it's in that shack on yep, the top. Yep, way of up on the, the cliff top there. With the two with the two roaches, yep. Fluffy and Scratchy, who are yep. like in the cage. And once you get that rifle Oh, I was a force to be reckoned with. I like I would be dropping like death claws like like nobody's business. Like I'd see them at a distance, I'd just be like pop, 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 just dropping them. That rifle, and the rifle had an extra thing in it. I just, I went back and played a little Fallout, and I just recently, and um, I was playing through uh, Operation Anchorage, and to get to the uh, to the out the uh, outcast base, you have to go through these super mutants, and I was twentieth level, so I ran into a super mutant overlord, which kicks in at that level, and thank God I had that sniper rifle because the one thing that that thing does, it had a knockdown in the game, so you'd hit him, and he'd fall over and stop shooting you. For a little while, while he's laying there, you'd pour on the fire yeah. until he got up again. You try and knock him down again. Otherwise, they just hose you down with those horrifying Gatling lasers and just chew up your armor and chew up your uh, health. Uh, but yeah, the victory rifle was. I think everybody got a hold of the victory rifle and just yeah, that became their favorite thing. Exactly. Not the least of which because it was the the sniper rifles were the only way to see a long distance. Yeah. Uh, in the well, wait. There was those uh, magnums. They had the uh, they had the Lord Humongous forty four yeah. with the scope on it. Uh, and I gotta tell you, that's one of the things I loved about uh, New New Vegas. Was uh, the um, hold on just a second? I have got a sound playing in the background. It sounded like somebody was a commercial. Oh, I'm sorry, one of my web pages I had open instead of oh. playing a commercial. Um, but I was going to say that uh, one of the things I loved about New Vegas is there are a lot of scoped weapons, and they even had binoculars. So you could yeah, go they, out they, and yeah, scope binoculars are great. Because in Fallout 3, no binoculars, sniper rifle is the only way to see distance. But at yeah. least, in, again, Fallout Vegas, they thought, oh, hey, let's put binoculars in there. Because sometimes, sometimes you don't want to have to run up on the shit that's going on down there because you don't know what's going on. Yeah. I, I want to see first, best I can. <laughs> So um, uh, I, I really enjoyed the ways that the mechanics changed in the game. Although, having gone back and picked up Fallout 3 just to play through Anchorage and, and the pit, and my intention was actually to play through um, uh, Point Lookout again. Um, the one thing I noticed uh, that was, I didn't realize how different it was, was uh, compared to the two games, the environment is, holy crap, all the time you spent underground in the capital wasteland. Oh yeah, subways. Those subway tunnels were expansive. Yeah, and it was a huge part of the game. It was a huge part of the game. All those dark, oppressive, you know, dusty, collapsing tunnels filled with you know, ghouls. There, there's some underground. uh, There's some underground in uh, New Vegas. Some sewer stuff under the city, but But it's mostly above ground. There's nothing like there's nothing like that environment. Oh, the New Vegas be, environment isn't as claustrophobic. Yeah, you, know? you want to ba- you want to bask in the Vegas sun. You know, get <laughs> get yourself a nice tan. <laughs> so, develop some develop some melanoma. Exactly. Um, well, you know, you, I'm sure you'll get cancer some somehow with all the yeah. radiation. Yes. But um, the, uh, so anyway, you, you want to go into the DLCs or what? The what? You want to say uh, anything about the DLCs for Vegas? Uh, give, give us a quick, a quick rundown. Well, okay. For the first one was Dead Money, which was uh, 
fairly, it was really more of a survival horror, but I, it was one of those scenarios like the pit where you start off with all your shit and they take it away from you. And you start off with nothing. And I love those challenges in games where, like, you know, I know there's some people who whine and moan because their, you know, their inventory was emptied. But I like the, the fact that, oh, great, it's just me and my skills. And I had to scrounge up bobby pins in the game. You start off with zero. And uh, that was really entertaining. And with the, um, uh, the, the, you're in an environment so toxic that just standing still, you're losing hit points. That was sort of that felt really apocalyptic to me. That you had to get busy and get shit done before the environment wore you down to nothing. Uh, I so I enjoyed uh, that one. It was sort of a uh, it was definitely darker. It definitely had kind of a you know there, there were homages to Silent Hill in it, um, but uh, it, uh, it 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 worked for me. Um, the one uh, uh, the sort of weird science fifties monster movie. One was, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, Old World Blues, where you're trapped in this, you know, laboratory run by these disembodied brains in jars who are experimenting on you and have stolen your brain. Um, that was sort of interesting, too. Uh, there was a lot of uh, interesting critters. They finally got to use the lobotomites, which was a, a creature concept that had been kicked around, I think, all the way back uh, in Fallout 1. They finally there was there was a you know a concept art for it way back then, um, and the and yes there's the uh, the the there there are those uh, uh, packets of equipment that came those ones you could get that were downloaded, the ones you could get uh, with the special you know downloadable download codes yeah uh, th those were just here sort of expansions that and the gunrunners arsenal I, I can't remember what it was called was it the the the, uh, the 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 lone wanderers classic pack or something like that i but but those were just gear things but the adventures were old world blues um, uh, let's see the uh, lonesome road um, uh, the um, uh, dead money and uh, honest hearts and um uh, I really liked uh, really liked Lonesome Road. It was a different kind of environment. Again, they presented you this environment with you're down in these caverns where this giant earthquake has opened up, and the city has fallen into these caverns. So as you're going through the buildings, they've tilted the world. You know, all none of the oh, buildings nice. are. You know, you're going through buildings that are off center and and twisted around, and you know uh, that environment was fairly interesting. I, I like that. There were whole caverns where there were cities buried in the caverns by the earthquakes and you you work your way through these subterranean environments that was all right uh, but kind of kind of reminds me of uh, kind of reminds me of uh, scenes of things you might have seen in uh, thunder the barbarian yeah yes exactly it definitely owed some to that um, and of course the final confrontation for that one was in a missile silo during a countdown to launch a second you know a, a second launch of nuclear missiles so it, uh, it it was all right. It was pretty good. But the one that always got me was Honest Hearts because it came back to something that hadn't really been used that much in Fallout um, New Vegas and Fallout 3, which was tribals. Um, in Fallout 2, you start off as a primitive screwhead. You have a loincloth and a spear and a knife, and you are living with some, um, you know, uh, Primitive, other primitive screwheads, 
uh, up in the mountains, and you descend out of the mountains and encounter the rest of the Fallout world. But rather than come from a, you know, a vault where you are isolated and cut off from the outside world and have to discover it for the first time, you come from an isolated village in the mountains. And uh, there was a lot of tribals in Fallout too. These sort of people who had reverted back to living like American Indians or or Celts or something like that. And one of the things I really liked about uh, Honest Hearts was it was in an isolated area, and it was you know filled with these uh, uh, tribals who were fighting each other, you know, and uh, that that was really interesting to me. And the story of the survivalist uh, in fall in, in in Honest Hearts, where you're going from cave to cave and you find the journals of this guy who lived in the Zion State Park right after the war. Uh, and you collect all his journals, and that was a really good story. And I really enjoyed picking up every scrap of that along the way until finally you find his skeleton and his duffel bag and his, you know, cool, unique rifle up on top of an arroyo where he's crawled off to die so that the, the, the new tribals who are living in the valley who have somehow decided he's a god and they've, they, they think he's a supernatural spirit and they refer to him as the old man in the cave, which, if you remember the Twilight Zone episode... Yep. It was, yeah, a robot, the, it was a computer. Yeah. Uh, but he's been coming out of the cave and protecting them for decades. And uh, they've now sort of developed this mythology about him. So he crawls off to die someplace they'll never find his body so the mythology will live uh, beyond him. And I just thought that whole story was absolutely amazing. Uh, plus, it rained. You're going through uh, Honest Hearts, and out of the fucking blue, it starts to rain. And my first thought was, oh, shit, it's going to be horrible fallout acid rain. You know, I'm going to start losing yeah. hit points until I can run over and find some shelter, you know, because everything else in fallout was horrible. Why shouldn't the rain be horrible? Oh, of course. And then, you know, I'm not melting down like the Wicked Witch of the West. I'm like, oh, this is, this is great. I don't know how the story's going to end, but I am going to kill any motherfucker who tries to fuck this place up because it's, you know, the water was clean and the, you know, there's no radiation hazards. Um, it rained, you know, I'm like, okay, this is paradise and I'm going to have to kill some motherfuckers if they're going to screw with this after having gone through the hell of everybody else in the wasteland. And it really weirdly had a very strong emotional attachment to me. Nice. So New Vegas, a lot of content. Okay, there's, I mean, you could spend. But the game ends. Once well, you make your, there once is you go back, there is a definitive you, ending. You pick a side, whether you're the, the Caesar's Legion, the, N, the NCR, Mr. House, or you can become the warlord of New Vegas. And, you know, and every ending is different. But once that ending happens, finito. Oh, it's been a while, so they're probably not going to come back and... Uh... Put a patch on that one, so. No. But we'll see. But, but we'll see what happens. I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll make another one eventually. Because again, there's they're probably, also. There's probably a mod out there somewhere right now. Um, well, if you're playing on the P, a PC or a Mac, I'm sure you could uh, do that. But uh, so again, overall, folks, again, there's a lot of games. Especially, there's a lot of content. Again, three. There's you know, yeah, the the original games. You know, you got uh, you know Fallout Three. A lot of content. You got the first two PC games. Which again, if you like a little retro gaming, there are available out there. Wastelands out there. Wasteland Two is coming out. Yeah, that'll, uh, sometime this that'll be here before Fallout Four, so you might as well enjoy yourself some Wasteland uh, Two. However, Wasteland Two very much looks like—I mean, it, the 
graphics are a little better, but the demos I've seen online, uh, it's a three-quarter overhead view of the action, so it looks very much like Fallout 1, Fallout 2, and the original XCOM, although, again, the art is much, much superior yeah. to XCOM. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's much, much superior to those games back in the 80s, or, or the 90s, excuse me. So that's coming out, but it's going to be coming out on PC uh, and Mac probably, so I'm not going to be able to play that because it's uh, not a console game. So you know, I, I, I bought it for Mac. Uh, I supported the Kickstarter Okay. When it first came out. It was a very, very successful Kickstarter, if I remember correctly. So one, yeah. of, the, one of the big ones. So so there's a lot with the Fallout franchise. Again, we could talk on and on and on, but we're not. Yes, <laughs> yes, we could. And if, if he would let me, I would do it. But he's the one standing in the way of me talking more. Yes, I mean, we have to do that sometimes, but uh, but folks, there's a lot. It's, it's um, there's a lot of good stuff out there with the Fallout, you know, and it's easily accessible. You know, Fallout Three, there's a lot. Fallout New Vegas, there's a ton of stuff and it's out cheap there. Now. It's yeah, cheap they're, they're, now. Yeah, they're 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 cheap. It's not. You can, ex- you can pick it up for. I want to say the last time I saw a price on Steam, it was like fifteen bucks. And you know some of these game of the year editions are going for it has you all the downloadable content and it's pretty cheap. So you could get everything pretty cheap. So if you get an opportunity, if you haven't played already, folks, and you like gaming, uh, and you like the and you like the apocalypse, it, they're they're very good games for that. So yeah. Uh, so we're gonna stop talking about Fallout for this week. And oh, uh, I, I have to add, I have to add one last thing. No, no. Being being I'm, stupid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute you. Oh come on, the being no. stupid part. Okay. In Fallout One and Fallout Two, they were so dedicated to creating to creating uh, uh, dialogue trees. They actually had like dialogue trees that would only unlock if you made a character whose intelligence was like a was out of a ten was like a three or a two. If you made a moron, he'd just wander up to people and just say, eh, "Me need water chip or something or unk unk water chip," and your character was a blithering idiot. People would go, "Oh, aren't you simple?" And you know, sometimes they'd give you. Like here's some bottle caps because you're obviously a special stupid. Or, <laughs> yeah. or, or here's a muffin, you know, or whatever. And the only person you could talk to in the whole game, I think it's in Fallout 2, is you finally find some retarded cow herder who, when you encounter him, he speaks like Alistair Cook off Masterpiece Theater, and suddenly your dialogue tree is like, oh my good man, it is so so wonderful to meet someone who understands the king's English, but everyone else. You spend the whole game being a retard, uh, and you—you—it's really difficult to get any experience points through. You know, you can't talk your way or negotiate your way out of anything, and that was kind of awesome. Uh, yeah. Now uh, they didn't really have that option in Fallout Three. You could no. make a stupid character, but it wouldn't matter. But Fallout Four yeah. brought that back, where it actually affects the way that your character interacts in a number of the scenarios if you're completely stupid. And I. I have started but not finished a Fallout 4 playthrough with my character Tardy, who is going to dumb his way through the wasteland and uh, see how see how it changes the gameplay. Tardy, that's a, that's a very Tardy. PC, that's a very PC name, Scott. I just want to thank you very much. Yeah. I named him I named him after my favorite turtle on the TV show, Greg the Bunny. That's Tardy. Right. That's Tardy right. the turtle. And as we all know, we're not very PC here. So no, really not. <laughs> now that I've said the thing about the stupid, please cut me off. 
Yes. <laughs> so uh, again, Fallout Vegas, uh, Fallout Three, all that, again, a lot of good stuff there, folks. So I'm sure we'll talk about it again some other time. Uh, next time, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm kicking around some ideas. We might talk about um, thinking some post-apocalyptic television, but that kind of reality, real-life television stuff like The Colony, um, uh, the the pilot Apocalypse Man, and some of these other shows like, you know, Life Without People, things that are not just, you know, scripted, uh, you know, uh, dramas. So maybe, you know, maybe we might talk about that, or we might just talk about another type of apocalypse. Maybe we'll talk about the alien apocalypse. I'm not sure yet, folks. So uh, we're, we're kicking around some ideas, and when we know, we'll let you know in the last minute. But we'll be back in two weeks. Two we weeks. will be we will be back in two weeks. Hold on. My schedule's been so fucked up lately. That's why, um... This is what on. you get for having, uh, you know, um, potential in-laws during the Christmas holiday season. Uh, that, oh, I'm that... sorry. The Hanukkah holiday season. I apologize to you and the members of your tribe. Hanukkah, Thanksgiving, and, uh, you know, the, the full-time corporate job where I traveled, like, for, like, two weeks, uh... Within a month, you know. I would like to point out that uh, I had a really marvelous Thanksgiving cut this year. Thanksgiving cut? Nice. Yeah, t- turkey and latkes, potato latkes. It was awesome. You can't you can't beat latkes. So, no. Yep. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there is nothing pending to delay us for our, our two week return. And again, so we'll be we'll be talking. We'll be talking some more. Uh, so I'm gonna. I, oh, not, I got I got one I got one I'm gonna throw it out and maybe if the people like the idea they will they will sign in. Uh, Kirsten Haglett, who is Erin uh, uh, Vanek's wife, apparently did an entire thing on post-apocalyptic cuisine mm. for a uh, for a LARP that uh, that Erin uh, ran in Los Angeles, and that got me thinking uh, that might be worth uh, that might be worth something as well. Anyone likes the idea of post-apocalyptic cuisine. It's not all soil and green, kids. Not all of it. You know, rat, little uh, rat on a stick and little, some, yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know what? That yeah, that's something. You know, we talked about post-apocalyptic currency. We could talk about uh, definitely uh, sustenance. You know, because where you get your food? Are are you, are you eating from what was what was, what was the can in Mad Max uh, two? Was dinky it? D, Dinky, dinky D, dog. D dog food. Yes, yeah. it's not all it's not all Dinky D dog food, folks. You know? Not not to mention that gets me. I get to go back and do more Fallout New Vegas because there are all those recipes you could cook. Oh, that's uh, right. Uh, from the game, and I will point out, I have actually made food based on Fallout New Vegas recipes. Holy you, crap! You were hardcore, sir. It was delicious. Uh, cook cooks beef stew. Was awesome, you know. For uh, for a uh, pyromaniac rapist, he really knew how to cook a good uh, beef stew. Well, that, you know, there's no, you know, just because, you know, well, look just, at Hannibal yeah, Lecter. Exactly. That doesn't that doesn't exclude him from being a good no. cook. Not in any way. Exactly, and and I'm sure a lot of those uh, recipes were probably actually based on real life recipes. They just, you know, well, tweaked them a little bit. The the beef stew with the beer, potatoes, uh, jalapenos, and beef, yeah, that worked. That was com- that completely worked as a recipe. Mm. Uh, but anyways, let, we we should, I, I my vote is we should consider that. We should contact Kirsten, and see what she thinks. But if anyone else out there wants to hear about post-apocalyptic cuisine as demonstrated in movies, games, you know, novels, you know, please uh, shout out, and we will we will give you the post-apocalyptic cuisine. 
And uh, actually, just, just to add on to that, that's not the first time you've actually um, gotten uh, some food recipes from not just a game, but also television. Didn't you learn how to make uh, from Ken yes. Foray and from beyond? You learned yes, how to be because Ken Foray made uh, uh, biscuit, uh, sorry, chicken and dumplings in the movie From Beyond. I thought, wow, he lo it looks really, you know, the, the face Ken Foray made when he smelled his food seems so... You know, he seems so ecstatic over it. Mm, that I'll, I'll have to try that. Turns out, what, what did it turn out? It was, it had been on set for like twelve hours and it had gone bad. Yeah. And it was rotten, and and Ken Foray still made the yummy face, <laughs> even though it was spoiled. Yeah, it was something like that. Um, but, but but you learned how to make your chicken and dumplings yeah. from uh, Ken Foray and from Beyond. That's right. So. That's right. So this is not um, your first. This is not your first foray. For a uh, for a foray into okay. <laughs> into using me media to learn how to cook. You know. Correct, correct. So, I've never been able to get my recipe for soylent down right, but you know. Well, yeah, I think I think you're lacking a main ingredient. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, so anyway, folks. All right, we're gonna shut up now, and uh, we will see you in two weeks. No final words from me. No final words from you. Good night, folks. Thank you for joining us. We will see you soon in the wastelands.